listening to Abdulia tell her story, and it just struck me how any person who God saves and comes and lives inside, it's not just about us, but it's about the influence he wants to use through our lives to touch the people around us. And oftentimes it doesn't feel that way. Oftentimes it feels like, man, everybody's running away from me, not running to listen to what I have to say. But there is, it's not about us. When God changes us, he gives us a new nature and his life is in us. And there's something dynamic. And as we trust him over time, that's how God's kingdom spreads and more and more lives are are touched. And so what a great story, man. It's so, so encouraging to hear that. Uh, We're actually, it's really in line with what we're talking about today. And if I haven't met you yet, my name is Jonathan Hupp, and I have the privilege of being a pastor here. And we have been, this is the third week, we've started off the the new year, and excuse my voice, I've got a lot of congestion this week, and uh, my my throat has had some issues, but I I think I can get through this, but stand with me, um, and and be patient too, appreciate it. Uh, But we've been, our series as we start off the year has been called First Things First, which is appropriate, and a lot of times you look at, I know, I know I feel this way, like, wow, this is a big book. This Bible has a lot of pages, a lot of advice, a lot of instructions. And if you're a Christian, you come to church week after week, you read your Bible, there are a lot of, there's a lot of information that you hear. And sometimes I can get confused. And, okay, man, what do I do next? Or what's, what's the most important thing? And so we start off the year looking at three really simple directives that Jesus gives us that help us focus our life and know what are the most important things. So two weeks ago we talked about in Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So the kingdom of God is the first thing we're supposed to seek. God's rule and reign in our lives and in the world. Last week, Rob talked about, Rob Zima talked about what Jesus, when he was asked, what's, what's the most important commandment? Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So, man, those are good handles, right? You can, and that's enough. Everything else sort of fits into into these these handles we're talking about. Today we're going to talk about the Great Commission. This is a, a third, just in some ways, simple, clear direction, instruction Jesus has given us to know what are the most important things that I'm supposed to, to build my life around? And so if you'll just look with me in, in Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16. And this was after Jesus had died and been raised from the dead, and he spent 40 days appearing to his followers at different times and in different places. And this is right before he's about to return back to the Father. And so we're going to read the last words that Jesus told anyone on earth. The last words that Jesus told his disciples before he went back to heaven. And if you think about that, you think about like movies or TV shows, this is a kind of an iconic thing that the, you know, the person gets shot and they're about to die and there's some information they really need to communicate to people that's going to solve the mystery or, you know, the things they've kept buried their whole life and been afraid to say. But now like they, 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 it's, it's urgent that they communicate this message before they die. That's really... You know, there's something about someone's last words. I remember when I was 10 years old, my, my great-grandmother, I had the privilege of knowing her, and she was, but she was about to pass away. And we went to, to my grandparents' house where she was, she was living at the time and went into her, the, living, the bedroom where she was staying. And I remember her calling me to the bed, and she had a few last words that she wanted to say to me. 
And I remember I sort of felt the gravity of the moment, but I could tell, you know, but after she said it, it was actually really neat. She, she was a Christian, and she, she said, Jonathan, I want, you know, be a, be a soldier for, for Christ for the rest of your life. And she just said that line, and then that was it. And I remember after I walked away, and my parents and grandparents were like, did you catch that, what she said? Like, so they, they kind of realized this was probably the last time you're going to have a conversation with her. And it was. And so this is Jesus. The last thing that he gave to his disciples, it was not only for them, but for us as well. So in verse, verse 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee. Everyone say eleven. 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 There's, we often think that to change the world, you need millions and millions of people. But that is not how it works. It's always God picks a group of people. It, it doesn't take a huge number, but it's more about what they get and what God gets in them and what they do with it. So there were 11 people here. This is Jesus' group. 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And that's, in a strange way, kind of encouraging to me. <laughs> that here, here, these are Jesus' 11 disciples. They're his inner circle. And even they were still wrestling with doubt. And, they were, and Jesus was appearing to them in person. But they're still like, wait, how can this be? We, we saw you die, and what's, what's going on? It was, it was hard to wrap their minds around, around the fact that Jesus had raised from the dead and was with them. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And I just love that. Here's Jesus, the resurrected Lord of the universe. And he is, as God, he always had authority, but as as a man, he won the authority that God had given men and women to bring his kingdom into the world. And he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. There was a, a Dutch theologian who lived 100 years ago, Abraham Kuyper. And he said, he said this, he said, there's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. All of creation is, is Jesus's. Everything, every nation, every territory, every area of society, he is the rightful Lord and, and ruler of all. And he, he's bringing his authority into the world. And now he's saying, now how, does, how does that authority get, get extended into the world? Well, here, here's how it works. In verse, verse 19, he says, Go therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There it is. This is what's known as the Great Commission. The last words of the commission that Jesus gave not only these eleven, but every believer, every disciple who would come after them said, I have all authority. Now you, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. And the, the, if you parse it down, people who study the Greek and stuff would say the, the strongest, the leading verb in this is make disciples. And then supporting that are the other verbs. Go, baptize, teach. But the, the main thrust is make disciples of all the nations. 
this is really a, a restating of, of the first word, the very first words that God gave the first people, Adam and Eve, to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with, with God's kingdom. And so, yeah, this is, you think about this, though. This, for some of us, this may be familiar. For some of us, this is the first time you've ever heard this. But imagine being one of these 11 disciples, and Jesus gives you this commission. And then it's not in, in this account, but right after that, Jesus, before their eyes, ascended up to heaven and left them. Imagine how you would feel. Like, wait, you just left us, and you gave us this really, really vast mission. Like, we're 11 uneducated common people. You just told us, go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. Now, this is an incredibly vast assignment. This is an assignment that, that would take not just those 11, but, but millions and millions of disciples of Jesus. And thousands of years to fulfill this mission that Jesus gave them. I really, I just, as I think about it, it just strikes me that Jesus really thinks very highly of us. You know, that, you know, I think like, man, I'm, I'm struggling sometimes just to, you know, think about getting my house painted or something. Like, that's, it's overwhelming. But here's this mission, go make disciples of all the nations, and I'm entrusting it to you. And it's an incredible honor. And, you know, what other, the other thing that stands out to me is that he doesn't give a lot of insight into the how. Right? It's like, go make disciples of the nations. All right, see you later. I'm out of here. Figure it out on your own. And, and again, it's that God is, thinks highly of us in that, hey, that's part of the process. Of you, you're made in the image of God, and you have God-given faculties, and there are creative answers you can come up with. And this is going to draw you to, to trust in me and rely on me. But hey, your mission is to make disciples of all the nations. I had lunch on Friday with a guy that I hadn't, uh, I hadn't seen this, this person for 15 years. He's, he grew up as a missionary kid in Thailand. His parents were missionaries there. And after that, I, I met him when he came back for, to go to college right after he, he graduated from high school. So he was like 18 years old. I think this is about the last time I saw him. And from there, he went to a Bible school and he went back to Thailand and was working, doing some ministry there. And then when the tsunami hit in, what was that, like 2010? Some of the big tsunamis, somewhere around 2011. Um, he went to, there was this area of Thailand that was devastated. So he just went there and started serving people and helping rebuild and bringing the message of Jesus to an area where most people didn't know about him. And there were all these refugees from Burma that came across the border. And, and, and so he realized, there's, these people don't know anything about Jesus. And so he was started just focusing his, his life on bringing the message of Jesus and making disciples among these Burmese refugees. And from that, they, they started multiple churches, and they spread out. And this guy's real adventurous. Um, he's, he, he, lit, he would just, there's kind of loose border control in that area. I mean, it's a, and in Burma, or Myanmar, the official name, <clears throat> it's really tough to go across as, as an American. It's pretty much usually impossible to get a visa. But he would just, like, go across the river and just, like, meet the, like, the tribal chieftain or the person who's, like, the strong man, the military leader in that area and befriend them and had some real interesting adventures along the way. And saw God do some really interesting, amazing stuff in that area. And a couple of years ago, though, he just began to be so burdened by the situation in Iraq, a totally different part of the world. And 
where, where ISIS was growing and this, this militant Islam was spreading. And he's realizing, man, these are people that they, many of them want to serve God, but they have no conception of the reality of who God is and how he wants us to live. And this, this really, this, this twisted worldview, this twisted religion is, is taking over huge swaths of territory. And so what he did, he, he, he literally just went to Iraq he got a little bit of training as a medic, and he joined the Iraqi army in the, to become a medic in the Iraqi army in order to be in that world and bring the gospel there. And he's actually, right now, he's back in the States to get more training as a medic so that he can do more, to go back to Iraq. He's like, oh, that's a guy who's figuring it out. He's like, go make disciples of the nations. Oh, well, uh, nobody else is going to Iraq. How do we get there? Let me just try this. You know, I'm in my 30s, I've, he's like 35 now actually, unmarried, he's like, I've only got one life to live, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go befriend the Iraqi army and bring the gospel. And that's what he's doing. So, and I hear that, I'm like, man, what's my excuse? <laughs> you know, like, there's, that's pretty cool. But there are people all over the world over the last 2,000 years who said, God, how can I do this? You've called me to this part of the world, or this is the, the mission you've given me. Maybe I'm called into this vocation, or occupation, or this city. God, how can, I, how can you use me to make disciples of the nations in the place where you've called me? And so, that's, I, I just love that. Jesus doesn't tell us all the details, but we figure it out as we walk with him. Um, so this is a huge mission, and we look at this, the Great Commission, 2,000 years later, in many ways, it's very encouraging to see what has happened. That the, from those 11 disciples, there are now over 3 billion people in the world who would identify, who would say that they are Christians. That's pretty amazing. And if you do the math, I mean, from, from that point, you know, even 100 years after Jesus, for every disciple, I forget the numbers, but there were like 50,000 people who didn't know Jesus. And now the numbers, you know, probably of, of true followers of Jesus is probably for every believer, it's, it's one in three or something like that. And it's amazing the progress that has been made. Um, but still, we live in a world where, where three billion people have little or no access to the good news about Jesus. And they don't know anybody or have a readily available way for them to hear the gospel. There's, there's so much to do. And even in places where the gospel is readily available, there's so much to do to see the nations discipled. Right? I mean, look at the U.S. Where there are actually 83% of Americans would, would identify themselves as Christians when they're surveyed. But our nation is far from discipled. Right? And you see the, the crime... We see the, the greed, we see the materialism, we see the, the, the hookup culture, the lack of morals, okay, thing after thing after thing. It's like, okay, something doesn't match up here, right? How can 83% of people say they're Christians, but yet our culture is so unchanged? And an important element that is missing is what disciple-making is really all about. And that making disciples is not just about saying I believe a certain religion or I believe in God or even that I believe that Jesus is the Son of God or something like that. But discipleship is, yes, it starts there, but it leads to our whole lives being transformed. We have a saying we like to say that 
Christians go to heaven. Disciples change the world. And there's a difference between being a, a cultural Christian and being a disciple. And the, the, main, the word the Bible uses for Christ followers is disciple. In the New Testament, that's used, I think, 176 times. The word Christian is used three times. And Christian is not what people call themselves because Christian literally means little Christ. And it was a very, like, wow, that's not what they would have, you know, been that cocky to call themselves little Christ. But it was because they were being disciples, and other people said, wow, these people, they're, they're so different. They're like little Christ. That's what other people called them, not what they called themselves. And so being a disciple is really, really what it's all about. And so you say that, but, but what is a disciple? So I just want to break it down. I, I heard a definition recently, and I think it does a great job of, of framing what is a disciple. If we're supposed to be disciples and make disciples, it helps to know what a disciple is, right? Right? Yeah, okay, good. So here's, here's the definition. Um, actually, before we look at the definition, the, if we're going to look at, in Matthew 4.19, when Jesus first called his disciples, this is what he said, and this, this statement that he said really gives us the definition. He said, he spoke to these these two men who were fishermen, Peter and Andrew, and said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And it says they at once left their nets, and they just caught an incredible fish, caught, catch a fish that Jesus had helped them catch. They left it all, they left their, their hometown, they walked away, they moved away from their families, and they followed him, and the rest is history. But in that statement, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. We see a good hint at our definition. Our definition is this. A disciple knows and follows Christ. A disciple is being changed by Christ. And a disciple is committed to the mission of Christ. Alright? A disciple knows and follows Christ, is being changed by Christ, and is committed to the mission of Christ. Along with the Great Commission, that's a great thing to memorize. I'd encourage you to do that if you never have. Just take 10 minutes and memorize that. It'll change your life forever. This is a good definition to memorize also. A disciple knows and follows Christ is being changed by Christ and is committed to the mission of Christ. And I just want to break that down a little bit. So, knows and follows Christ. Being a disciple, although it involves joining yourself to a group of people, and it involves having spiritual mentors in our lives, it's not about following another person, but it's about following Christ. We're not to be disciples of people. We're to be disciples of Jesus. And ultimately, it's, it's about knowing Him. When Jesus called, another passage talks about when Jesus first called the, the twelve to be with Him. It says He prayed and then He called them that they might be with Him. And that's what happened. They spent the next three years living in close proximity and friendship with Him. To be a Disciple is to be someone who's called into a relationship, into a close relationship with Jesus. And out of that, it's knowing him and following him. Um, it's coming under his, his authority and his direction. That's what in, in the Great Commission it says, make disciples, baptizing them. When someone gets baptized, that's part of what we're saying, is I recognize Jesus as the Lord, and I'm bringing my life in service to him and following him and there is a clear demarcation from my old life of living for myself to now I am coming under his authority and living for him. Um, 
You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes following him wholeheartedly frightens me. It's, it's a little scary. Like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Maybe he's going to call me to be in Iraq and join the army or something. Like, what's going what's to happen? But that's really what being a disciple is. It's, it's, it's hungering to know him and to follow him. And so I just want to ask, ask you this. What would you say about where you're at with that? Would you say, I believe that Jesus is a Savior and Lord? Yeah, I've come to that place. I, I believe that he's a Savior and Lord. I'm committed to following him. Maybe you're like me. Following him wholeheartedly frightens me. Trust is difficult for me, especially with God. Or maybe I believe in Jesus, but I need to follow him better as a disciple. Or maybe more of that. More, more than one of those things. Um, but that's the starting point. It's about knowing and following Jesus. That's, that's what it means to be a disciple. Secondly, a disciple is being changed by Christ. Jesus not only said, follow me, but he said, when you follow me, I will make you something different from who you are. And man, that's one of the best parts of this whole thing, is that being a disciple, it's one of the best and the toughest. Because we all have a sense in our heart that, man, there's, I was made for something more. There, there's a life that I was made for that's beyond where I'm at right now, beyond my insecurities, beyond my fears, beyond these habits that I just, you know, I can't get past, or these bad habits, or these things that pull me down. I know that's not the fullness of the life I was meant for. And that's because Jesus made us for more. And, but the way to come from where we are to who we were meant to be is by being a disciple, by being a follower of Jesus. A disciple literally means a disciplined learner. And so a disciple is one who is learning, one who is changing. One of our, another statement we like to say is that growing people change. If we're growing, we're changing. If we're not changing, we're not growing. And if we're not growing, guess what else is true? We're dying. We're, you're, there's no, we can't just coast. It just doesn't work. We're either growing or we're regressing. And God calls us to a life of continually increasing in our knowledge of him, increasing the character he's called us to, increasing in the, the skills and abilities he's called us to live with, increasing in the in the, the influence of our lives. Um, this is really a heart-level thing. You know, we start, there's a, there's a mental, like, yes, I believe that Jesus is Savior and Lord. But that l- must lead to a heart level of, Lord, I give you my life, and I want you to transform me and make me the person you've called me to be. Um, I love how in, in Romans 8.29, it describes what we're supposed to be changed into, because we should ask that question. Okay, if I'm supposed to change, supposed to change into what? What does that change look like? Well, Romans 8.29, Jesus, the, the Bible says, those that God foreknew, he also predestined. In other words, the people, the, the ones that God knew in advance, his destiny for us, his purpose for us, was to be conformed to the image of his son so that he could be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. So God's, what does God want to change us into? He wants us to change us into someone who's like Jesus. Which, that's pretty cool, actually. Like, that's, I would want to be like Jesus. If there's anybody that I would want to be like, that's him. And that's the, pro, the purpose of this changing, is that God wants to change us, and is changing us, into someone who is like Jesus. So he's got a whole lot of brothers and sisters in the world that are like him. So a good question to ask is this. Okay, if, if we would call ourselves a, a disciple, the question is, how has my life changed 
since I began following Jesus. And, man, we should have a long list of, wow, man, I was, I was controlled by anger. I was controlled by lust. I was so selfish. Man, I find that I am no longer controlled by those things anymore. I have more of a heart for people. I, God has worked mightily in my life. So a, a disciple is, is, uh, knows and follows Jesus, is being changed by Christ, and is committed to the mission of Christ. That was the last thing when Jesus said, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And that's his mission, to, to reach people and bring them into relationship with him and into his purpose. The call to follow Jesus is always a call to fish for other people. It's like Abdulia's story. You know, as soon as she got saved, she got right with God, and her life changed, there's a desire that welled up within her and was spoken to her, oh man, God wants to reach my family too. They need to come into what God has for them, too. They're separated from God. This, this really matters. Just like I was separated from God. My friends and my family, they're separated from God. They're under the power of sin. I mean, God, I want to be used. Use me to reach them and, and help them. And so God calls us not only to, to, to be changed personally, but to influence and reach those around us. Um, this is what Jesus is passionate about. This is what Jesus came to the earth for. And as disciples, we will be passionate about the same things that he's passionate about. And he's always looking for people to, to work with and join him in that mission. Um, you know, I just, for me, it's one of the most exciting things about following Jesus, is getting to be a part of seeing other lives change too. And I, I know that, I mean, I wanted that for many years, but it wasn't until I really understood becoming a disciple and fully immersing myself in this process of transformation that I began to experience Okay, yeah, I can, I'm actually having a little bit of an influence on people around me. And that's just amazing. And that's what, that's what God's about also. But I think sometimes we want to separate it. We want to say, well, I, I'm a disciple of Jesus, but I don't know if I really have time to, to make disciples of other people. But it doesn't really work that way, because it's, it's part and parcel of the same thing. Being a disciple of Jesus means... We're committed to the mission of Jesus. And that means that we're, we're spending time. We may not be moving to Iraq and joining the army, but we're looking for ways to build relationships with people around us. We're looking for ways to invite people over to our house, to share meals, to build relationships, to, to share and bring the message of Jesus with people around us. And then to, 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 to bring people into our lives and help them learn and grow and be part of this process. So, the Great Commission, that's first and foremost what God's calling us to. Um, I just want to wrap this up, but before I go on, are there any questions about this? I don't remember. Um, I don't. Another death. I don't think I meant to say that. If I or if I did, I said, "Well, that's yeah." The literal definition of a disciple is disciplined learner. I don't know if that is that what it was. Maybe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant to. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, say so memorize the Great Commission. 
And then this definition right here is a great definition of a disciple to memorize too. Yeah. Good. I'm glad I asked the questions. Yeah, Rob. Yeah, really good. Really good, yeah. A lot of times it's, the old saying, it's easier to steer a parked car. I mean, not a parked car. That's the opposite. <laughs> yeah, the really old saying that, you know, it's easier to steer a car that's moving. And so once you're moving, then God tends to bring you to people and direct and change your direction. But if you're just sitting and waiting, you never get anywhere. Yeah, those old sayings. Mitch. Um, Mitchell. Yeah, that's a big one, that I'm not qualified to make disciples. I need to be more mature. And then people spend 10 years trying to get qualified, and they, you never, let me tell you, the truth is I don't feel qualified. You never feel qualified, probably. But that's so encouraging that Jesus took these, his, these 11 people and the others that he discipled, and it was from the beginning. Like, yeah, he poured into them, but there was active ministry happening towards others from the very beginning. And we used to say, just stay one chapter ahead of the person you're discipling. You know, you just, you're te- all you have to have is your testimony to bring the gospel to somebody. I was lost. This is how I was lost. And I, Jesus changed me. And this is how he's changing me. You need Jesus too. That's enough to start right there. And then as you're learning, you can pass that on to people around you. And it's one of the best motivation. What's the other? Here's an old saying. I'm trying not to butcher this one. The best way to learn is to teach. Yeah, that's so true. As, you feel, as you're trying to teach other people, you realize, oh, I really need to get this better. And you will learn much more as you're teaching others than when you're waiting to be qualified to teach others. So that's one lie. Um, I just open it up to you all. What are some other lies that you hear or have heard or false ideas about being a disciple or making disciples? Jehu. What's that? I will offend people if I talk about Jesus. Yes. That's, now, that may not be a lie, because sometimes you will offend people, um, but not always. Um, so like, a lot of people are just so ready to hear. A lot, of un-Christ- a lot of people that aren't Christians, when you talk to them, they actually will say, you know, it's a little odd to me that Christians say they have the answer, but they don't believe in it enough to communicate it or talk about it. If they really believe this, why wouldn't they talk about it? And so a lot of people are just ready. But some people will be offended, but that's um, not a reason not to talk about Jesus um, because it's the answer that people need. And as long as we're bringing it out of love, that's, that's really important. So good. That's, anybody else heard that besides me and Jehu? That, or that, that fear keeping us back or that thought? Yeah. Excellent. Um, Cornelia, do you have? No? Sorry. <laughs> no. All right. John, yeah. Like the lie 
Yes. Yeah, right. That's a common one. That it's the, the, the professional ministers, it's their job to make disciples. The rest of us, it's our job to show up on Sunday morning and put some money in the offering, maybe, or something else. <laughs> but no, yeah, the disciple, again, was not the name of just the 11, it was the name of all the followers of Jesus. And we're all called to be disciples. Now, it looks differently for different people. If you're in the army, or if you're a mom, or if you're an engineer, that may be different than if you're a pastor. That is different. But all of us are called to this mission. And I, almost, I was going to look at Acts 2, because I love it how that was a description of the whole church, all the believers. And they were all living as disciples, devoted to God's word, and devoted to outreach, and devoted to worship and fellowship. And that's, yeah, for all of us. We're never going to fulfill the Great Commission if it's just the professional ministers. There's, it takes everybody going into all the world. Good. Aja. So true. So yeah, I, I oftentimes am jealous of people not having a ministry job. <laughs> not because it's easier, because I think in many ways it's harder, but because I find myself easily filling my whole calendar with Christian people. And I have to like find, I have to, I have to be intentional to have, be in relationships with people that aren't yeah. Christians. And I'm like, man, it would be cool to just get a job and be with people eight hours a day. Like, wow, that would be, you know, a, a different job than the one I have. I have a job. But a job <laughs> where I'm working with unbelievers every day, like, that would be, I would love that. I, I used to love that. And that's, it's hard, it, you know, that's a really cool opportunity. So, yeah. Good. All right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. It's again, we can we can take the truth that we need people in our life to an extreme and not be doing what we really need to be doing, which is going directly to the Lord to get what we need and his word. And that's being a disciple and I was going to mention this in John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said, this is one of his definitions of a disciple. He said, if you abide or, like, draw life from, hang out in, my word. If you abide in my word, then you're truly my disciple. So that's, if, to be a disciple means that we are going to God's word personally and saying, God, i got to hear from you. i got to connect with you. I need something here. 
I, I've got to abide in your word. It, that's who a disciple is, someone who's drawing life and learning continually from his word. And then, like you, then you get something, oh, the Bible says, no, I'm not a loser, I'm an overcomer. <laughs> wow, that's not how I feel, but that's what's true. It says God's for me. I, I thought God was mad at me, but actually, no, Jesus took my sin, and God is for me, and he's accepted me, and he's forgiven all my sins, and oh, that's who I am. And oh, and he's called me to go make disciples, okay. And that's, that's what being a disciple means. It's replacing our dumb thoughts that we, we live with, with the truth. It said, it said, if you abide in my word, then you're my disciple, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so, yeah, it's essential that we all do that, personally. Great, well, I'm just going to pray for us. We're going into this year, first things first. But if, if this is your heart, say, I, I want to be a disciple, I want to make disciples, I want to grow in that, just agree with me, and let's, let's trust God to help us move into that like never before. In 2018. Lord, we, we worship you today. We say you are the, the Lord of all. All the earth belongs to you. Every people group, every nation, every occupation. You're the worthy, the worthy Savior and King over, over all the earth. And Lord, uh, thank you for calling us. I pray if, um, if, if, if you're if there are those here today that you're speaking to them to say, I don't know if I've ever become a disciple, Lord, help them to take that step and, and to become an all-in disciple of you. And Lord, for those of us who are saying, God, we want to grow as disciple makers, Lord, we look to you for your grace. Let us grow in commitment to that, in skill, in heart for people, and in living this out in our everyday life. Lord, we thank you for this. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, Katie's.